Welcome to the Warrior Goddess Revolution, a podcast dedicated to helping you get free, free of shame, free of fear, free of limitations, and free to become the woman you are meant to be. Let the inner revolution begin. Here's your host, Heather Ash Amara. Welcome everyone back to Warrior Goddess Revolution. I'm really excited about our guest today, Christine Carlson. She's someone that I've been following for many, many years. And so when her name popped up to be on the podcast, I got super excited. So welcome, Christine. So glad that you're here with us. Oh, thank you, Heather. That's always so wonderful to hear. And I'm so excited to be here with you as well. Thank you. And so everyone knows I am recording this when I have COVID. So I'm a little bit slower. I have a little bit of a horsier voice. <laughs> and I'm really grateful to feel well enough to do the podcast today. So Christine, I want to start off with just for folks that don't know you, that haven't been following you for decades, like I have. So in 1997, your book with your husband, Richard Carlson, came out, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. I remember getting my copy. And, and then in 2006, so nine years later, your husband died really suddenly. I just went and read the obituary. And that, of course, started you off in a lot of transformation and changes. So if you want to just share your journey from where you were as a co-author from this huge loss and then how that transformed your life and also how it deepened you into what you're doing now. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like to say that um, Richard and I had a very fairy tale life together up until his death and even that part is part of the, the love story. Um, we met in college, and so we were together um, a good four or five years before we got married. And then we had two daughters, and um, we had a really beautiful marriage, a very communicative marriage, um, one that was very conducive for um, both of our growth, especially for Richard's creativity. So. He um, began his writing career um, after he got his master's and PhD in psychology. And he, um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff was his 10th book. So he had a whole body of work prior to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Um, books like um, very, very psychologically healing books, books that people could pick up so that they would maybe be able to work out their own therapy. Um, they were called, you can be happy no matter what, the principles of happiness. Your therapist never told you. <laughs> um, there was, you can feel good again, shortcut through therapy. Um, he was really an early happiness teacher, a pioneer in the happiness movement actually. And even in the positive psychology movement, um, he was talking about principles of positive psychology way before there was a term positive psychology. So that was our life. You know, we, we had a beautiful life. We had two daughters. Um, we were just humming along. And on about on the 10th anniversary of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Richard got on a flight and he had a pulmonary embolism on the descent of that flight. That was um, 16 years ago now. And you know, it's just, it's classic in a lot of ways, you know, you're, you're just going along with your life and then it just changes with a phone call 
And certainly my daughters and I um, experienced the trauma of that phone call and the trauma of that change. Um, oftentimes, and it was the case in my case, um, being an adult and also a very spiritually adept um, seeker for most of my adult life and having studied so much with Richard and um, about happiness and psychology. And I went through a, what I would call a very deep awakening from that trauma. Um, I, it really woke me up to so much more that I had no idea that I had been blocked from in just living life. And and that is what I, that is the way I um, looked at it. I had, I called it um, being heartbroken, open and awake, um, awakened. And so that started a journey for me and it, it grief was something new to my life. My parents uh, are still alive. Both my parents and my husband's parents were alive. They're both now passed. Um, and I hadn't really lost anybody significant to me. So I hadn't gone through uh, true grief. I mean, I lost grandparents that were ill and, and I, but I always felt this sense of this real sense of they had lived the life that they were meant to live with Richard. I didn't feel that way. He died at 45 and I was 43 and we had two girls in high school. So of course it was, it was a long ways off from being what I would consider a full life. Um, however, I definitely made a very uh, transformational choice. And that was initially, I um, really had a very serious talk with myself. And I, it went kind of like this. It went, wow, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe that this is happening, that this is what my life is now. I can't believe I'm going to live the rest of my life without my beloved. Um, completely unanticipated. Yet I said, I looked at life in general, I looked at the spiritual path that I was on. And I said, well, I was, I've been amazingly blessed. I've been richly blessed. I've, I've been given so much, given so much grace, given so much of everything I ever wanted. I can't fall down and, and I can't, I can't give up because this is the first tragic thing I've ever experienced, you know, and it was a tragic loss. However, I, I did really realize that I had to stand in it and I had to know, know and have faith that this was going to be a part of my journey, an unforeseen part, but a part of my journey. And that I knew that I could keep choosing to step in whatever that meant. And I didn't know in the beginning what that was going to mean. I didn't even know how to grieve. The first time I ever went through a wave of grief, I was really, I mean, of course I'd been crying with my daughters, but my true um, realization that I was birthing a new life happened when I was picking um, up some salt uh, bags to go in our, our water softener. And they're about, they're about 25, 30 pounds, maybe, maybe even 50 pounds. They're pretty heavy. And I remember taking them out of the trunk of my car. And this is a job that Richard had always done. And I was lifting them up and it just suddenly it became too heavy for me. 
but not from the weight of the salt. What became heavy for me was the burden of what my life was going to be now just living, not only living my life, but claiming Richard's life and all of his responsibilities as my own as well. And I remember falling to my knees and grabbing my gut as I couldn't even choke out my sobs and it hurts so bad. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this is like labor. This is like birthing. And I thought, oh my God, I am birthing a new life. And I think this is how I started to see my grieving process. Um, and I, I started to understand that I would had been broken open to a much deeper vein of wisdom, like that I was seeing all of this and understanding it in such a profound way, in such a spiritual way, and and going through it at the same time. So I began to witness my own grief um, and also go through it and allow it to heal me because I don't believe that grief is the enemy. It's a very painful experience to grieve. Um, that is, you know, nobody will say otherwise, but grief is an emotional response to loss. And you allow, when you allow grief, it's actually um, quite restorative and crying and expression is quite restorative to inner peace and joy. And it allows for your body to get out the emotion, the attachment that you feel and eventually, after you've emptied enough and emptied those emotions out of your body, you begin to understand that you are birthing that new life. And then that makes way for you to start making choices to love your life again and to live. So in a nutshell, that's the journey I went on. It was a lot of surrender, a lot of trust, a lot of accepting what I couldn't change and releasing a lot of grief to receive a new life. Mm, it's so powerful. And from my experience with grief and with like big loss in my life, there's such a depth that comes when we really give ourselves that permission to go through the grief, knowing that it will birth us into something else, but that the part, the grief part's not easy, it's painful, it's scary, it's discombobulating. And all of that allows us to stand in relationship to life in a totally different way. I've done a lot of work with widows over the years. And one of my favorite stories is, is a woman named Mary. And I, I just spoke to her last night. And I remember meeting her at a restaurant. And she just lost her husband maybe, you know, two weeks, three weeks before. And I just, just, she was just, disheveled and crying and just, you know, could barely just, you know, it's not running down her face. It's the way we look when we're in grief. And, and I, I remember um, she, I just said, look in my eyes. I was only two years ahead of her. I was still in grief myself. I remember telling her, look in my eyes. What do you see? And she said, well, I, I still see sadness, but I see so much hope. I see steadiness. I see I see life. And I said, well, then trust me when I say, you know, you're, you're going to feel this way too. And, and you're just going to go through this process of healing. And she was the first person to read my book, Heartbroken Open. 
And it, she followed it so beautifully. And, and Mary was a, um, grew up a devout Catholic. She was also a, recovered, a recovering alcoholic. I say recovered because she'd been recovered for over 10 years at that point. Um, but of course, her fear was that this was going to maybe potentially take her back into her alcoholism. And so we talked a lot about that. And, and then she just started to follow my path of transformation. And she, she actually, at one point, she called me up and she's like, everybody thinks I'm crazy. Everybody thinks I'm actually crazy. And, and I said, well, no, you're not crazy. You're just in a transformation. You know, you're, you're transforming. It feels a little bit like you're in a washing machine. You're getting banged up a lot and you're, you know, getting bounced around. But then when you come out of it, you're all clean, you know, and, and she to this to now, and I look at Mary, um, you know, 12 years later, she's just such a strong and powerful goddess woman. And she, you know, has designed a life that she loves. And this is the power of allowing yourself to transform which transformation is really just allowing yourself to change. When we have a positive transformation, we're allowing ourselves to change for the good, for the better. And, and this is what you can choose for yourself. You know, you can't often choose what happens in life, but <clears throat> you can choose how you move forward amidst the circumstances you're in. Exactly. I so agree. And that place of, the, the choice we have is how are we going to be in relationship with it? And my prayer is always, and I always say to myself and to others that you know, regardless of what's arising, I can make a choice to bring in more love and more presence and more compassion. And even with the really, really hard places. And that choice, even if we don't know how, I think there's that willingness, that willingness to go through the grief the willingness to make a choice and know it will be different on the other side, something new will be birthed. And so often those big challenges are what give us our roots more than anything else. Absolutely. And I think the power of that message that you just shared is that a lot of people, when they're going through grief, they don't realize that they, they feel that grief doesn't have an end point. They feel that if they allow themselves to go into it, that they'll get swallowed up in it. They'll, they'll go under the ocean and not be able to come up for air. And it's, it's not like that, you know, it, it's allowing is what, is, is what allows you, when you surrender to grief, you then find the air again, you know, and without that surrender piece, and when there's resistance, then grief persists and grief stays. And, and grief never really goes away until you go through it. it it's something that will show up in your life um, in illness. It will show up in your life um, in pain, physical pain. It could show up in your life in, in the damage that you wreak emotionally uh, when in relationship to others if you don't allow yourself to go through this time of grief. And so it's, it's a very powerful time. And as you said, and I agree wholeheartedly, it's a very hard time of life, but there's also beauty and the beauty can happen when the, all the emotions are pointing to life that being alive is a lot of things. And 
you know, being alive is feeling passion. Uh, being alive is feeling joy. Being alive is also feeling sorrow. And, and that when we allow our sorrow to empty out of us, we're carving a path for more joy. You know, and I, I love so much uh, what Rumi says about love because he always, one of my favorite quotes that he says is, Rumi's the great poet, by the way, but he says that our task is not to seek for love. Our task is to remove all the barriers that we have built around our heart to love. And I love that so much because one of the things I realized um, in grief was that not only was I waking up at a much deeper level, but I also realized I had built a wall around my heart feeling, being able to feel joy. And that with grief, I considered it the great house cleaner. It just, all the emotions that were built up, everything that was um, just clogging, clogging my ability to feel more deeply in life was cleaned out. And, and it was emptied and I, my heart had been shattered and broken, but it had been broken open. And as I healed, I realized that my healing allowed my heart to expand and to grow and to hold more and to hold more life, more compassion and, and more joy and, and the ability to even love more deeply. So there's so much beauty that comes through loss at times. And, and I don't want, you will never see it until you get to the other side. Like you can't say that to somebody and nobody could say it to me either early in grief. They don't believe you. And I, I didn't believe it either. But um, if you talk to more and more people, even who, people who have gone through the loss of a, of a beloved child, I know people who have lost their kids to COVID and they are, they have healed, you know, there's this wonderful yoga teacher, Janine Ellis, and she lost her daughter, Audrey, to, um, to COVID. And it was horrible. I mean, Audrey was just this beautiful, young, just amazing woman at 29. And, and yet I, I Janine does a, a lot of um, the yoga for my what now retreat that I do and she has healed so beautifully and she's just embraced so much joy, even within a couple of years of very deep grief. So it's possible. Mm. Yeah, it's incredible what we as humans can go through in terms of loss. And so often when I work with people that are grieving or that have lost someone, there's that place of I'm not allowed to have joy. I have to feel guilty. I have to keep my life small. And so just the message and the reminder to everyone of we can have grief and have joy and that they do go together in that place of constantly giving ourselves permission to be on the journey. And I love what you said that it's like a washing machine because it's so true. It's so erratic. You know, sometimes we think of like, I remember someone saying like, it's been two years since your divorce. Like you should be over it now. Like that's the limit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Two years, right? Yeah. Who made that up? Right. Yeah. So I'm curious about, because in my experience, my husband and I were like, we taught together, we wrote books together, we ran a center together and 
when he when we got divorced when he left the relationship it was like this like what do i do as a single woman and i found this agreement which was really interesting as i i gave myself permission to grieve probably for the first time in my life and what i noticed about going through that grieving process was giving myself permission and just being willing to go in a lot of things i'd never grieved got to be cleared as well so and i recognized pretty early i'm like this is not about my ex-husband this is about me and my relationship with grief and my relationship with love and really recognizing i can love this human regardless of what actions we're taking and what and what challenges we had we had a great marriage until right at the end <laughs> um but that place then of like finding my feet as a solo woman as a teacher and one of the agreements i had to go through was this weird one that i found that was i couldn't i can't do it alone like i need him to help me run the business to help me um teach i don't have the capacity even though I had taught for years before I even met him, there's still got this thing ingrained in. And I think for so many of us as women, that when we have good partnerships, that we really lean into our partners and they lean into us, it's a jolt to come out the other side and find our sense of like singlehood again. And it's also for me, and it was also such a joy and so empowering. How is that experience for you? Well, I mean, I, I think um, just, I think what we all have to do when we grieve the loss of a marriage, whether it be through the loss, through death or divorce is, is we have to let go of our future dream that we had, you know, that there's an attachment to what our life was supposed to be. And that's the first step is you have to realize that, you know, that's what you're doing in grief is, is letting go of that future dream. And for me, because I'm a widow and I didn't have a choice, it's a little different in that sense of um, I had to do what I did. You know, I mean, I nobody else was going to do it. And, and I certainly didn't have to work as hard as I do. You know, I certainly didn't have to stay in the game the way I do um, to stay in and to write more books and all of that the way I do. But, um, but I was called to and it's part of it's part of the gift of what sometimes loss and suffering brings to all of us is our purpose and meaning. And, you know, when we heal, it, it's part of the hero's journey is to take what we've learned and gleaned and the wisdom is the Holy grail and bring it back to somebody else who's suffering. And this is how humanity has always healed hum humanity is, is through other people mentoring and, teaching through story and bringing other people along because not everybody is, is going to have that awakening. Not everybody is going to understand the spiritual journey or that the possibility exists that they could become better from this horrible experience that's happened. And so this podcast, you know, anytime that you share that with people, it gives them hope and encouragement. And also for many people, it, it, it shines a light on something they may not have ever known otherwise. And that's very powerful to, you know, to be able to have that kind of impact and to be able to help light someone else's path that's suffering. And, and at the end of the day, that's why we do what we do is because we want to serve humanity. 
because we felt our own humanity to such a depth, to such a depth of despair that we want to help other people go through that despair with grace and come out the other side. And yeah, I mean, I definitely, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I knew some of what I was doing. I mean, Richard and I had written together before he died. We wrote Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love. I had written Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women. Um, I had done some public speaking. Um, we weren't involved in the online world together much because the internet was just birthing. Really, we had our first website and everything upon his death. And so it's been a it's been an entrepreneurial journey for me. Um, I'm a natural entrepreneur. I um, had always been an entrepreneur from the time I was a kid. Um, so I there's a lot of things I understood, and then of course with the online world, there's a lot of things I didn't understand too. So that's been you know that's been a journey just to figure all that out. And teaching. Um, has come more and more as I've witnessed and talked and, you know, settled into what I really know, you know, and I know a lot more um, as a 59 year old woman who's gone through uh, so much life, you know, than I did when I was in my twenties and thirties. So, you know, um, it's, it's been a miraculous journey and, one that has had a lot of twists and turns and has been full of hardship, but great joy. And it's like life, you know, it's like walking that labyrinth, you know, you, you come in toward the center and then takes you back out again, you know, and, and that's the journey. It's, it's everything. That's the entrepreneurial journey. Sometimes that's the journey of single being a single woman. Um, I, certainly didn't know how to be single. I had been with my husband 25 years, completely devoted, barely had any male friends, you know, and except for the ones that were my, um, our couples, you know, husbands are, you know, they were my friends, but I, you know, didn't know anything about being single. Now I could write a book on being single, you know, 16 years later. <laughs> and I'd say it hasn't been boring, you know, it's, it's, it's been a part of the journey, you know, and um, every quality man that I've dated um, has brought something new to me. And every quality man that I've dated that I've let go of has also taught me something. So um, it's been a journey for me as a woman to give myself permission to um, be single, to be sovereign. Um, I've never felt necessarily that it was going to be my journey to totally partner up again. And I just felt like, you know, I had my life partner and um, I'm not opposed to it. I'm open to it, but it hasn't been, it hasn't been the desperate, um, anything desperate in me, you know? And I think that's the difference between a woman who, maybe has never had great love um, or known great love who, you know, a woman in her late fifties becomes desperate to have that gift to have to know that, or even a man does. But for somebody like me who has lived and loved so greatly and so blessedly, I don't have that same need. You know, I don't, I don't have that same need. In fact, there's something in me that says, be very careful that you don't compromise who you are 
ever again to be in relationship. Because of course, when you build a life with somebody like I did with Richard from the time I was 18 to 43, it's a different experience, you know, and now I have a very built life that I wouldn't mind sharing on some level with somebody and have shared with men that I've dated for longer periods, but I'm not so um, eagerly attached to the idea of becoming some man's wife. (laughs) I I would do it all over again with Richard, but not (laughs) sure at this stage I would do it with somebody else. So that's, that's just where I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm, and I know I'm in choice about that. Yeah. And that's such an important message, I think, for all of us to hear, because it's rare, um, because we're so often love-starved, and, you know, so often there's that drive of, like, get into another relationship, when are you going to get married again, and I have the, a similar experience of just being so grateful that we live in a time that we can be single and that I can have my own house and have my own rhythm and do what I'm passionate about um, and, and be at choice. And I do feel same, like having had such a great deep love that I'm like, oh, I'm good. Like if it comes again and I'm good. Yeah, and I think the key in that is just to realize uh, something I, I kind of alluded to early is about choosing the people that you spend time with. You know, we should always choose people that nourish us. And there's many people like that you're going to have a relationship with that, you know, that are going to come and go in your life, but they still might nourish you for a time and you might nourish them. And I've had many friends, both male and female, that they have come into my life and some of them have stayed and others have left. And, you know, we, we have to get used to that idea that there's this natural ebb and flow in the current of relationship. We only have so much of us to give around and to share and you get to choose. And I think the, the older you get, um, the more wise you get about that because, our time is getting less and we're very much aware of that, that that clock is ticking and how do you want to spend your time and who do you want to spend your time with? And I now have five grandchildren from one daughter and, (laughs) (laughs) and I desire to spend time with them and I desire to, you know, spend time with my daughters. And I also love to have male companionship, but I don't, I don't have to have that person be my life partner. You know, if it's a quality person that I'm enjoying, then I'm just, I just know when the time is that it's, it's moved on. And I'm always friends with the men I've dated. I've always, it's always just sort of, you know, well, this has been great, but it's time to, you know, open ourselves up to something new and we can stay friends. I adore you. We can stay friends. And a lot of times they're totally fine with that. <laughs> so beautiful. And yeah. again, we're just so blessed to live in this time when there's so many choices that we can make and new ways of being and guides like yourself that are shining the light to share how to be fully human. That's really what I hear and what you're saying is that that place of embracing both the joy and the grief and 
knowing that life is mysterious and transformative and that as we keep walking that we can continue to walk more and more towards joy and you've done such a beautiful job bringing more joy into the world by helping people both learn how to grieve and also have permission to be fully alive in so many ways yeah i mean i i feel like we're here on this earth for such a short time and I do believe that people do need permission to let go of the guilt and um, survivor's guilt is a real thing. And, and just one thing I've always told widows that are going through loss is if the tables were turned and you had a loving marriage and your husband was a loving man and he was here and you had, you know, gone to the other side or transitioned you would tell him to live. You would tell him that you want, want him to, you know, to find joy and happiness again, whatever that means. And that it doesn't always mean mating up. That isn't always the path. It could just mean that you find a passionate interest that you pursue. That is something, you know, I was talking to a girlfriend who's divorced the other day and we were marveling at our deep friendship that we have and that we discovered each other later in life. And we realized, and I've realized this time and time again, that so many of my great friends now, and I, I have friends that have carried through, but so many of my new friends are my best friends. And, and I, I would never maybe know them if I hadn't gone through the loss I had. I just might not have, our paths just might not have crossed the same way. And I certainly might not have been the same woman. And, you know, there's, there's been so many gifts. And I say that, you know, um, I'll repeat 16 years later um, in my journey. And there's not a day that I wake up that I don't wish that I could just giggle and laugh with Richard. You know, there's just not a day. And... I will always be sad in moments when our daughters get married and babies are born. And I look at my grandchildren and how much they love him. And they've never even met him in person, but they love him. And I think, wow, if you had really known him and if he had known you, what would your life be? Because he was so, so significant and special. And and yet they still do know him. And that's the beauty of a legacy. That's the beauty of what Richard left is his energy and his presence is still very felt around the globe and his grandkids feel it. So I just think it's, it's just, it's made life just very, very rich on so many levels, but it's, it hasn't been easy. You know, there's not, not been anything easy about it. <laughs> sure. For sure. And how have you, so I, I kind of have two questions. Uh, one is around just your spiritual practice, devotion, connection, and how that's kept you, you know, moved through your life and kept you on your path. And the second one is around just how have you written so many books and done so, you have done so much i always marvel i'm like and there's another book oh there's a movie now there's <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about all the things but... oh, 
Yeah. And live so much life in the meantime, you know, but, um, well, first of all, I I will say about that. I get up very early. Um, I'm a very early riser when I say early, it's around 4am. So, um, most of my writing and my creative time happens between four and seven 30 in the morning. And, um, I'm, that's my window. Like that's my magic window. So, I offer myself in a prayer and it goes something like this divine love play me as an instrument in your finely tuned orchestra of life. And let my words uh, be a blessing to anybody who reads or receives them. And so that prayer kind of releases my ego. It releases me into spirit and allows me to just um, be with whatever is present for me to say or to speak or to, to do. And I said early on that I wouldn't sacrifice my life for my work. Um, I've always felt that, that while I work a lot, I don't overwork. I'm, I'm pretty much done by two o'clock in the afternoon or even 12. Sometimes I'm done by noon and I I've got the rest of my day. I try to really look at life as a, a balancing act Spiritually, I've had quite a spiritual journey. Um, started as growing up in an evangelical Christian home, uh, which I adore. I, I loved going to church. I'm so happy that I had that experience with my family and going to church and all that that brought to my life. I met one of my best friends that I grew up with in church. And, and I had a very deep uh, understanding as a child of God. I felt very held by God. And my journey changed as a young adult woman. I struggled through an eating disorder. And that happened because I felt that there was so much perfectionism within my religion. And I, I was trying so hard to be that perfect person. But of course, you're a teenager and there's teenage activities that don't often seem very Christian. <laughs> So I was always the kid that was asking all the really hard questions for the Sunday school teachers. Like, how do you be a virgin when you're married? I don't get that. (laughs) Most of my questions were never answered, (laughs) but they knew who asked them. They were like, oh God, there she goes again. So I wanted to know these things, but wasn't really quite mentored properly. And so I think my eating disorder, I always tracked as being a spiritual time of disconnect and it left me in a, in a real abyss that I didn't understand as a young woman. And so I, I healed from that. And part of the great healing that happened for me was I found a whole new spiritual path and I awakened to a whole new way of life spiritually um, and not leaving, completely leaving my Christian upbringing behind, but more or less adding to uh, the foundation of that and understanding spirituality versus religion and then being in study with that and being in seeking with that and so Richard and I were really blessed that we were seekers together at very young ages and we had that depth at at a very young age we were only in our early 20s when we really really started seeking and reading Ram Dass and Wayne Dyer and you know all the greats um we were we were reading them and, and doing every healing modality possible. Um, we were very blessed. Richard's dad basically believed in all therapy. So he just said, do whatever you want and I'll pay for it. <laughs> so we said, okay. <laughs> so we did everything. And, and it was such a blessing. Like looking back, I think who 
in their early 20s ever did Reikian breath work, um, rebirthing, <laughs> cytotoxic food allergy testing. I mean, meditation, you know, yoga, everything. We were doing crystals, um, crystal healing, just we were going to ashrams and, and seeking out Indian gurus. I mean, we just had a very rich spiritual path um, and it was really fun. And we we're very blessed to have done this together. And um, so then, you know, we had kids and our meditation practice wasn't as intense after having children. And, you know, we, we had to, you know, we'd incorporate family life into all of it. And we did. And, but we, I would say we, we, we really kind of went more toward combining uh, Christian philosophy with Buddhism and Hinduism. Mm -hmm. And, and then I've done the goddess, I've done like the 13 moon um, goddess, uh, I don't know, the priestess training, you know, with Ariel Spilsbury. And um, that was fascinating and beautiful and an embrace of the divine feminine in a way that I had never done before. And I, I sort of have in my own journey, I've sort of done like something pretty dramatic every year, um, personal growth wise. Like I look at something like what kind of workshop, what kind of, what can I study? What can I immerse myself in this year? And um, you know, I love the work of Joe Dispenza and I, I just, I've been lately looking at all sorts of different, you know, coming back to the mind, body, um, emotional healing stuff. And it, it's all fascinating to me. So, so that's been a part of my journey too, is just always growing and, and seeking and looking at my own personal growth and then transmitting that and translating that for others. And I love that, that place of, just like you said, of being a seeker and then continuing that. And yeah. that keeps us so fresh and alive. It does. It's just such a wondrous part of the journey. You know, I mean, I, I would never, I never would hope that I would ever know everything, you know, that, that I would always be able to say, oh, that sounds so interesting. What is that about? You know, and, um, and I've learned a lot. I mean, I really do have learned a lot um, over the years, you know, whether, you know, it's just been a lot of research and now it's the whole neuroscience thing is just so fascinating. Brain science is so fascinating and happiness science. And it's, it all points to the same places, which I love. It connects the, the woo woo to the science and there is no woo woo anymore because it's all scientifically proven. <laughs> Exactly. If you really, if you really understood metaphysics, you'd understand that's not. There's nothing woo-woo about anything. There's really no coincidences. It's all, it's all created, and you know, it's all planned and created and chosen, and it's just fascinating. So, yeah, I always love when there's a a new scientific discovery. It's like we just figured this out, and sometimes I'm like, you know, shamans and healers have known that for thousands and thousands of years. <laughs> But it wasn't scientifically proven until yeah. now, which is great. I mean, so science great. speaks to so many people. It does. Yeah. And it's so fun to see, like you said, like the, what was once really, really woo and way over here, completely merging with like, oh, this is what is. Mm -hmm. And so many people, like the consciousness level of so many people 
is so different because of what we've learned from science. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. All right. So a couple of things. One is that I have post-it notes. You had shared. Um, well, I'm going to I'm going to ask this first. Do you have a favorite book of the ones that you've written or the ones that Richard has written? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love his book, um, <clears throat> Stop Thinking, Start Living, or A Shortcut Through Therapy. And I love his book, You Can Be Happy No Matter What. Um, those are the foundation of, of our philosophy. So if, if anyone wants to dive deeper into, you know, this whole idea that don't sweat the small stuff comes from a philosophy, that's what you would want to read. Yeah, those would be my favorites, I think. Beautiful. And then you recently had a book that was turned into a movie with Heather Locklear and it is out. I'm going to go watch it probably later today. Oh, fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah so it's, um, how is that journey of taking something, your life, a memoir, memoir that you wrote and putting it into a movie? How's that journey been? Well, as an author, I mean, it's quite an accomplishment. And especially because it is a, a grief story because grief stories aren't often, they're not often turned into movies because it's hard to turn a grief story into an inspirational story. So it's quite an honor that mine turned into that. And, um, and then it was great. I mean, honestly, it was such a real sweet, um, a real sweet connection that Heather and I made during the process of her becoming me for the movie. And, um, and she's just a delight and just a real sweet person, just a genuinely um, sweet person. So I loved that and, and loved that part of the journey. It was a little hard. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is getting hoarse too. I don't know why, because I don't have COVID, but sometimes it's just, <clears throat> I'm on a cleanse. Maybe that's it. Maybe it. Cleaning out. Yeah. <clears throat> Clearing. So anyways, um, it was probably... Um, the heart, one of the hardest things I've ever done is watch the movie just mm -hmm. because it, it's a little bit like reviewing, you know, your life. And then of course it's Hollywood. So it's not exactly your life. So then you, you get a little glitchy on certain things. <laughs> You're like, oh, <"Arr!" laughs> like, but for the most part, I thought they did a beautiful job of capturing the essence of Richard's and my relationship. Um, the essence of the uh, turmoil that a family goes through when they're going through grief. And, um, and they showed, you know, that it's totally possible to choose to heal and, and to choose joy again. So I, I thought, I thought they did a really good job of, of all of those things. And the timeline was changed a little bit, but that's because it, it had to meet the arc of their story and, and it was a great experience. I mean, it was super fun. You know, it was a very, very fun experience. And it was, of course, a great honor. And um, like I said, it's a huge accomplishment. So I, I felt really, I felt really proud. And I, I feel very proud about this movie. And I, I'm really um, super grateful to Lifetime for taking it on. And people can watch it. What's the name of the movie again? It's called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, the Christine Carlson story. Okay, perfect. So Lifetime, 
Um, so if anybody wants to watch it and also we'll share in the show notes Christine's website and all of her social media. So if you want to connect with her, she does workshops, she does online work. Um, you know, as I said, I've been following you for years. Um, you're one of the people when I was first creating the brand for Warrior Goddess and for the work that I do now. I, people, you know, when people do the website, they're like, go find somebody you like. And you were one of those people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Decades oh, ago, wonderful. I was like, man, woman, you're good. <laughs> Just the heart that you bring forward, like it really shows in your brand and in everything that you do. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Warrior Goddess Revolution. And any last piece you want to share before we close? Yeah, I just want to say if anybody listening is in grief, you know, I'm my heart is with you. And, and I, I just want to reiterate that it is a difficult time, but that um, you can, you know, you're going to get through it. You're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just allow yourself time and space to heal and all will be well. Thank you for your compassion and your heart and living fully and leading the way for some and yours and yours. You have such a beautiful heart and thank you for the work that you're doing. It's, it's wonderful. And I'm sure it's well appreciated by your many listeners. Thank you. Take good care of yourself and you. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with a fellow warrior goddess. If you felt fully empowered and inspired by what you heard today, we want to know about it. You can share your feedback by leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We thank you for your support. It's the fastest way to fuel the revolution. To learn more about the Warrior Goddess Revolution and other Warrior Goddess offerings, visit us at www.warriorgoddess.com.